You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic on Bloomberg Radio. The ag tech company App Harvest reported its first quarter as a publicly traded company after going public via a SPAC back in February. First quarter net sales matching guidance as the company reiterated its revenue outlook for the year. Let's talk about the quarter, the outlook for this certified B Corp business. App Harvest CEO and founder Jonathan Webb on the phone with us from Kentucky. Jonathan, how are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, talk to us about the business and how things are going. Going well, uh, considering you know it, it's it's we're on the tail end of a global pandemic, but yeah. couldn't be more proud of our team here in Kentucky, where you know, our first facility is 2.8 million square feet. Uh, we built that facility on time, on budget, and in the middle of in the middle of a global pandemic, and we hired 500 people to stand up our first operation, uh, and just really proud of our team. And, and our, our first quarter uh, is a public company. Uh, it, it was it was about you know letting investors know that that we're here to deliver on our promises and uh, and we're showing that we're hitting the targets that we're putting out in front of Doing in some, front of investors. Well, I got to say, investors seem to be happy since you guys put it out. It looks like the stock is up more than twenty percent easily. So tell us about the business and and what you're seeing in terms of the kind of growth that's out there and uh, you know what you are doing to meet all the demand that's out there. Yeah, so at App Harvest, we're building some of the world's largest controlled environment agriculture facilities, uh, and we're focused on on fruit and vegetable production. Uh, first crops we're growing are tomatoes. Uh, by Q4 next year, 2022, we'll be growing berries, leafy greens, uh, and vine crops. Uh, but the thesis is we, we have to bring uh, out, outdoor open field production into controlled environments, and and we're, we're targeting bringing a lot of the production that's been pushed down to Mexico, uh, bringing that production back to the U.S. So using 90% less water, getting 30 times yield per acre, and, and, and getting the harsh chemical pesticides out. We, on, on the demand side, you know, we really cannot build and grow fast enough to meet that demand. Uh, the grocers know it. Uh, the consumers are demanding it. And, and uh, we're, we're really proud to be at some of the, the largest retail outlets uh, just in our first few months of growing. We're, you can find us at Kroger. Uh, we're now at Wendy's uh, and, and Publix and, and many of the top 25 grocers uh, are, are taking our are taking our product. You guys really play into this co- whole concept of kind of, you know, locally farming and then serving the community. That's a big part of what you're doing. Yeah, we're one of four public benefit corporations that's a B Corp. Um, and what that means is we have high environmental social governance standards. And, uh, you know, part of what we're doing is using technology to grow fruits and vegetables uh, that, that uh, use far less resources. You know, but the way we're doing it and who we're doing it with is something I'm incredibly proud of. Every, every employee mm-hmm. at App Harvest makes a living wage. Every employee at App Harvest uh, has full health care and, and benefits for their family. Uh, and, and, you know, if we want to come out of COVID and say, you know, essential workers are important, well, then every person in food and agriculture should, should make a living wage and, and, and get full benefits. Uh, also, every employee at App Harvest has ownership in the company. Uh, and, you know, I was told that this was a pretty radical idea in food and agriculture, and uh, it's, the ROI on that investment has been, uh, has been what's radical. It, the, 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 we've had nearly 10,000 people apply to work at our company wow. in the middle of COVID. Wow. Uh, and when you see the labor shortages around the country, 
uh, we're the polar opposite. We, we, we can't get, you know, we can't go through the applications fast enough. People want to work here. And part of that is showing, yes, we spend a little money on, on investing in our employees, uh, but be, treating our employees with dignity and respect has been an incredible ROI uh, on, on production and, and productivity uh, here inside the company. So tell me, you say you, you provide a living wage. So what are your workers, I guess on average, I don't know what that always means on average, but what are they making? Yeah, so we, we have a really wide range of skill sets here at the company. So we have engineers and computer scientists working on the robotics right. and AI, uh, and we have plant scientists all the way down to, you know, our, our, our cleaning folks and janitorial staff and and all the way up to crop care specialists. But you know, there, there's a standard living wage in the U.S. And uh, for us, uh, entry level, even off the street, $13 an hour, uh, full benefits. Uh, with hitting production targets gets people up to $18 or $20 an hour. Wow. You know, so we're, we're in, and where we're at is really you know, coal country, where if you look at right. most of the coal mines in the U.S. that shut down, a vast majority of those were in eastern Kentucky and West Virginia. You know, so so here uh, we're far above uh, the 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 current wage that that's out and and forty uh, percent above uh, what what's already out on the street around us. So you know we're we're trying to tell yeah. people if they come to work and and show up every day. You know we'll we'll, we'll do our best to take care of them if if they're coming to to work and and take care of of what we're doing here day to day. Jonathan, you've been talking about the business, so. It sounds like there's a lot of demand, and I agree with you that people are looking for food. I know I certainly personally am in terms of less chemicals, less impact on the environment, healthier ways. I like the idea of kind of more local production. I also like that you guys are doing, you know, impacting uh, people in a tough part of the country and and, and really providing uh, a decent living. How difficult, though, is it to get to profitability? When do you expect to get to profitability? So each facility we've islanded where um, we, we're, we, we've got a P&L for each facility. And yeah. as we ranch each, each facility up about a uh, year and a half, two years in, uh, it, it gets to about steady state. And then each asset is about a 25-year, 20 to 25-year life of that asset. So each facility we build uh, will be operating 20 to 25 years. This is under a current environment where – Prices in agriculture and food uh, generally are pretty suppressed because of where we're currently at. I mean, you look at our competition in Mexico. Is this going to last? Are we going to are we going to continue to allow food sold in the U.S. where people in Mexico are getting paid five dollars a day, and where in some cases you 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 can find illegal chemical pesticides mm-hmm. uh, on that product? I mean. Agriculture has such a long way to go uh, to catch up where consumers are, are demanding and where regulators are pushing um, that, that again, you, you can make an argument that the prices today are artificially suppressed, and we'll see those prices rise, and that's where you know, app harvest today and under current environment uh, can exceed and do, do very well. But as those prices rise, you know, we'll, we'll do even better because we can compete under the conditions today and it won't change for us. The other factor on top of all this, too, is climate disruption. Uh, You you look at an open field farmer that has to deal with drought or wildfires or not enough water or water scarcity. Ninety-five percent of a fruit and vegetable is water, uh, and and we run completely on recycled rainwater, which ultimately keeps our costs lower. So um, 
again, it's it's competing today in today's playing field, but then also have building a resilient, you know, uh, resilient uh, company that, that can be not only competitive today, but but really stand out five, 10 years from now. Hey, listen, this is something I've talked about with David Lee, you know, formerly of Impossible Foods, but uh, also at your company, president of the company. You know, we've talked about lighting and the electricity costs. You guys do hybrid lighting. I know you, you, you know, are using the sun, you're using LEDs. Um, tell us about that component of the equation and how that is going in terms of cost and impact on the environment. Well, if you look at impact on the environment with agriculture today, you have you know harsh chemicals that are degrading our waters. Where the UN has predicted we have 60 years left of fertile topsoil. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about a statistic that we don't talk about that's completely jarring. Is 60 years left? Of, well, I mean, so I'm sitting again in coal country, and right. you think of agriculture. We're mining nutrients out of the ground, and they're not replenishing. Uh, we're in a glass facility that allows us to use sunlight first and only add micro mole light from the LED that we need to add that the sun's not adding, uh, running completely on recycled rainwater. Also, being closer to market, reducing that diesel consumption. So if you're looking at a fruit and vegetable coming 2,000 miles from California or Mexico to the East Coast, you know we get that down to a day drive by where we're at. And, and lighting is... Uh, one one piece where, where we have energy and using the LEDs gets gets our lighting uh, energy consumption down. But it's really, and we're still working on this, we're working mm-hmm. on it with a lot of universities and outside stakeholders, is what is that life cycle analysis in agriculture? There's no one you can really look to to get good answers on what, what are the push points. Energy was very easy uh, to, to be able to judge on energy. Uh, Here's an example: solar and wind versus fossil fuels. That's very binary. It's you know one versus the other. Agriculture is incredibly complex. The U.S. has 40% of our our uh, food is wasted and and goes to a landfill. So not only is it the inputs, uh, the energy you consume, there's the food waste because of how uh, far we're trucking the food itself. Um, that, that again, there, there's, and we're working on this with universities to try to come up with an overall life cycle analysis, but there's nowhere to look. USDA, mm-hmm. no one has done a really good job on saying, well, here are the environmental benefits of, of controlled environment ag, here are the drawbacks to open field, here are the play, opportunities to get better. Uh, there, there's no real one organization to look to, whether that's the UN or, or the USDA or, or any other non-governmental organization. Well, it's interesting, you know, and you go back that 60 years left of farming or soil available for farming. Uh, I think that was out in 2014. And it's it's really kind of shocking. It's it's a reminder that when it comes to climate change uh, or the impact that we've had on the environment, you've got to break it down in different ways to see how it could potentially impact us. What does it take, though, for you to kind of ramp up on the scale that's needed to feed the United States uh, and potentially feed the world that this model, what does it need to get there? Well, we, we've said this controlled environment agriculture is really the third wave of sustainable infrastructure. 20 years ago, it was renewable energy. 10 years ago, Tesla began to make electric vehicles popular in the mainstream. And then today, it's controlled environment agriculture. Uh, and, and so what is it going to take? It's going to take tens of thousands of acres of, of indoor production in the U.S. Uh, there's a third-party study by Wageningen University that I think said a little over 20,000 acres of production just to bring vine crops back from Mexico. To put that in perspective, 
our first facility is 60 acres, yeah, uh, 2.8 million square feet. So we have to build a lot. But the good thing with the U.S. is when we put our mind to it, we can build really big, really fast, and, and the U.S. can lead the world in controlled environment agriculture. And we, you know, frankly, after going public and the attention we received, we've already had uh, conversations globally from the Middle East to Southeast Asia, high-ranking digni- uh, dignitaries, prime ministers of countries, because they understand there is a real problem with food security. They don't. The numbers don't add up. Yeah. And these aren't like three lifetimes away. It's 2040. 2050, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, how do we actually feed our populations? All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Do come back because it's an area that I'm certainly interested in. I know our audience is uh, certainly, um, so hopefully we can get you back here real soon. Uh, thank you so much. Jonathan Webb, he is App Harvest CEO and founder, joining us on the phone from Kentucky.